Hello, you are listening to the Secular Buddhism Podcast, and this is episode number 47. I am your host, Noah Rochetta, and today I'm talking about Buddhism and Christianity. In this podcast episode, I want to talk a bit about Buddhism and Christianity with regards to similarities and differences. Uh, When I teach workshops about Buddhism, it's almost inevitable that someone will come up to me after and ask me about what the major differences or similarities are between these two traditions. This is a question that really can't be answered accurately in that setting or in that moment because there are a lot of things to address. So I've decided to address this question in this specific podcast episode, and I hope this will help to clarify a few things. This is a topic I'm excited to address because uh, I myself live in in a community that's very Christian and um, with a family dynamic where we have a mixed faith marriage and a mixed faith family. Um, So this is a, a, a dynamic that I think is important to understand for anyone interested in in following the um, you know the Buddhist path or the um, a contemplative path um, to to understand how that works in comparison with Christianity. So before I jump into that, I do want to clarify three important things, three notes or clarifications about this topic. And the first one is um, this is not a presentation about which tradition is right or which one is better, because Remember the quote I share all the time by the Dalai Lama, do not try to use what you learn from Buddhism to be a Buddhist, use it to be a better whatever you already are. This is especially relevant in this podcast episode. Um, We're talking about paths and in what ways are these paths similar or perhaps different, but we're not saying which path is right, which one is better, which one will get you there faster. Um, It doesn't work that way and I'll explain that as I address these things. The second note uh, is regarding apples and pears. You know, in many ways, this topic is like a comparison of apples and pears. Uh, They're they're both fruit, but they're not the same thing. Um, And to further complicate it, there's not one single apple. There's not one single pear. You know, for apples, you have Gala apples and Fiji and Honeycrisp and red and some are red, some are green. You've got Granny Smith apples etc. And it's the same with pears. You've got the Anjou pear, the Bartlett pear, the Concord pear, you know, different kinds of pears. And likewise, there is not one Christianity and there's not one Buddhism. Um, so I'm not too concerned with trying to address any specific doctrinal differences uh, or similarities because you're already going to have that just in between the various forms of the same overarching topic. So just within Christianity, you know, just like you have the Gala apple, the Fiji apple, the Honeycrisp apple, you're going to have these differences of um, Mormonism versus Catholicism versus Protestants versus, you know, you're going to have that already. And this happens on the Buddhist side as well with the various uh, forms or schools of Buddhism. So in a general overall sense, I will address some of the differences uh, that, that I think make sense to be discussed. The third note here is that I'm not an authority on Buddhism or on Christianity. I certainly have a background with both. My background with with Christianity is Mormonism and Catholicism. Uh, I attended middle school and high school private Catholic schools where religion classes were mandatory. 
I attended uh, mass often as it was required. Uh, half of my family, one side of the family, uh, is Catholic, and the other side is is a mix of a lot of things. Um, but my family converted to Mormonism when I was young. I was about three years old. So I grew up attending the LDS church and attended what we call seminary, which is a four-year religious program, and then uh, served a full-time two-year religious mission in Ecuador, uh, preaching uh, and sharing the, the Mormon message. Uh, after that, I attended weekly Institute of Religion courses in college for another three years until I got married. On the Buddhist side, you know, I started studying Buddhism on my own about seven years ago. And one of the first encounters I had with Buddhism was, was a lecture series by Jay Garfield called The Meaning of Life, Perspectives from the World's Great Intellectual Traditions. And it offered a wide exploration of what various spiritual, religious, and philosophical traditions from both East and West have contributed to that big question of what is the meaning of life. And the Buddhist answer to that question was turned around and said, well, who wants to know? And that really fascinated me. That was one of my first um, experiences with, with Buddhism. The answer wasn't about the answer. It was about looking at the question. And at that point, I was hooked and started learning more about this specific tradition on my own. I devoured dozens of books in order to understand everything I could about Buddhist philosophy. Uh, eventually, I decided to take my studies a step further I enrolled in a two-year Buddhist ministry program, graduated from that earlier this year. So with that, I feel I have a suitable understanding of the topic, and yet I do want to be very clear that I do not officially represent uh, any specific tradition. My experience with these topics comes from years of practicing uh, on, on both of these paths. While uh, I feel that my understanding is experiential in nature, uh, these are simply my opinions, and they may differ from what others will say about this topic. And I'm going to focus mostly on explaining the Buddhist perspective, as that is the tradition that I currently teach and practice. So having said that, um, let's jump into this topic. So you can say that uh, an apple and a pear, while being very different, they're still both the same thing. They're a fruit. And that's about the similarity uh, between Buddhism and Christianity that I see is that they're both a spiritual path, but as far as types of paths, or you know, as, as far as spiritual paths go, um, there are some differences. So, the first one is uh, thinking about this in terms of questions and answers. This is why what I alluded to a second ago with my original encounter with Buddhism. One path focuses more on the answers. I think many spiritual paths focus more on the answers, while Buddhism is a path that focuses on the question. Um, so that makes it so that these are not paths that are fundamentally opposed. When you have two paths that are focused on answers, then you have conflict if the answers aren't the same. You know, if, if this path says, you know, that here's, you know, the meaning of life is A, and someone, and the other path says the meaning of life is B, those are two answers. So the answers may be conflicting. And if they are, then you have to address that. Buddhism doesn't necessarily conflict with Christianity on this point because Buddhism doesn't have an answer for a lot of the existential questions. They're just, they're irrelevant. So in my opinion, uh, both traditions can work hand in hand when it comes to this because of that very reason that uh, one focuses more on the question and the other one focuses more on the answer. Um, so 
applying that in my own experience in my own life, it hasn't necessarily been a big issue with interacting with uh, family members or in my immediate family um, or members of the the community with regards to these two traditions because my approach doesn't necessarily threaten their answer. If they have an answer, I I don't have an answer that, that conflicts or counters it that says, wait, no, this is the right answer. You know, the, the Buddhist approach allows me to just be introspective and say, well, uh, you know, with the question, is there a God who wants to know? That's the part I'm concerned with. Who, who wants to know? And why do I, why do I even feel the need to know the answer to that question? And that's where I'll stay. That's where Buddhism typically hovers on that side of the, the question. And it doesn't get to the other side where the answer is, where you're going to have conflict if the answers are different. Again, that's in my experience. Um, so that leads us to the second way that these paths are are kind of different is the type of uh, the type of path. So a path typically the point of a path is to get from point A to point B. That's why you're on the path. Um, spiritual traditions are, are similar. A typical spiritual journey is about getting from point A to point B. And the goal may be, you know, the A, A may be you're in the world and you're trying to get to heaven. That's point B. Um, arriving at heaven or paradise or someplace similar. So you could say that the goal is to arrive at a specific place. And that's the, that's why the path is there. The path is the tradition, right? Um, so from the Buddhist perspective, it's it's also about getting from point A to point B. And we refer to point A being a place of suffering and point B um, being a place where there is no suffering. So we, we we would say, you know, samsara and nirvana. Nirvana is the, that place where you want to go where you no longer experience suffering. Um, however, these are not physical places. These are mental states. So they exist in the here and now. Therefore, it makes it so that the path itself is the goal. Because if these are mental states, we realize that if we're at point A and we want to be at point B, what what we have is this situation where we want life to be other than it is. I'm here and I don't want to be here. I want to be there. So we experience suffering. So what we practice in Buddhism is um, this form of acceptance. Uh, you could say radical acceptance. Tara Brock calls this radical acceptance. What if I was okay with being where I am? This is where I am. Uh, and I'm okay with that. I no longer feel this need to arrive at point B. And this is one of the great Buddhist paradoxes, is that paradoxically, in that very moment of acceptance, um, I no longer want life to be other than it is. I accept that this is how it is. This is where I am. And in that moment, I arrive at the very place that I wanted to be at originally, but I get there because I no longer want to get there. You know, that's the paradox of, of Buddhism. So, and with that, uh, you know, these paths are, are, they're not conflicting because if the point, uh, on the Christian path path is to get from point A to point B and, and the point of the path on the Buddhist path is to learn to find joy and contentment with wherever you are on the path. And there's no conflict again, um, because the approach is just different. So again, that's in my opinion, that's been my experience with, with understanding these two traditions. Um, so another uh, overall topic in which they differ is that one tends to be an internal process and the other tends to be an external um, process. So 
For example, Christianity is a theistic tradition. There is an external source, a deity, um, that's kind of at the helm of everything. On the from the Buddhist perspective, it's a non-theistic tradition, meaning um, that it, because it's internal, you know the 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 force that we're contending with is internal. It's our own mind. So again, the essence of what Buddhism teaches is that instead of running away from suffering and from discomfort, we can learn to face it. We can look deeply into the nature of our own suffering and and begin to recognize its cause. Uh, so suffering arises anytime we want life to be other than it is, and the scale and the intensity may vary according to the situation. You know, for example, the loss of a loved one versus being stuck at a red light uh, when you're late for work. Those are very different situations. But at its core, we have a resistance to uh, accepting that moment the way that it is. And that's what causes us to suffer. And the overall feeling in, in, in any circumstance where we experience suffering is going to be similar. We experience discomfort with the reality that we're faced with. And we suffer because that reality does not conform to the desired or expected reality that we've projected in our minds. So a proper recognition of the causes of our suffering will allow us to understand that there is indeed a path that allows us to transform our suffering. And this process is introspective in nature, like I mentioned. So I, I, I can learn to look inward at my own mind, my ideas, my beliefs, my opinions, my concepts, um, that I hold about reality, and I'll discover that I am the key to it all. This is another big difference with with the two traditions. It's it's not that there's an external source. Uh, from the Buddhist perspective, there's an internal source. It's my own mind, and it can be my best friend, but it can also be my worst enemy. And it's like the, you know, you've probably heard that parable of the two wolves that we all have inside of us, and one represents things like kindness and bravery and love and and the other one represents negative things like hatred and greed um well the buddha spoke about suffering in, in a similar way and the idea is that the things that we feed will grow while the things that we don't feed will die um and you know we have the tendency to look for happiness peace contentment as if these were the things outside ourselves. We think, you know, once I have this, or once I finally get that, or uh, if I get the raise at work, um, you know, if I can convince my spouse to be more like me, to think like me, or, um, you know, if my family finally accepts me, whatever it is, whatever external circumstance it is that we're trying to change, we experience suffering because we're wanting life to be other than it is. So what if we could practice acceptance? What if we could accept the moment just as it is, accept ourselves just as we are, and and start to do away with the duality of, you know, who I am and who I think I should be, or flipping this, you know, towards others. Imagine extending that to someone else, allowing someone to just be who they are, rather than who I think they should be, who we think they should be. Um, I want to clarify that acceptance in the sense is not the same thing as resignation. This is not resigning to the fact that, oh, life is this way and oh, well, I can't do anything about it. No, what we're accepting is, is that this is what is. And I realize there's a lot I can do with that. The moment I realize this is what it is, I can learn to work with reality instead of against it. I can minimize the suffering that, that I and others experience on this journey because I'm working with 
the reality the way that it is. So that's one of the differences, again, of the two traditions. One focuses on uh, an external source of um, goodness, right? There's like uh, good and evil viewed as embodied in these symbols of um, God on one on one side and like the devil on the other, but these are external. And what, from the Buddhist perspective, it's it's all internal. It's saying, um, you know, it's it's like the the analogy of the wolf, right? They're both inside of you. Um, so that's another difference. In one of his final teachings, the the Buddha said, "Be a light unto yourselves." He said he he taught that uh, we are our greatest teacher, and a monk actually asked him he said buddha what if we meet you on the path and the buddha replied well don't accept anyone you meet on the path towards liberation even if you meet me Um, the essence of the spiritual journey from a buddhist perspective is to realize that you are it you are your greatest teacher you are also your worst enemy in fact in the dhammapada we read that uh, whatever harm an enemy may do to an enemy an ill-directed mind inflicts on oneself a greater harm and this verse is saying that it's our own mind that can do us uh, worse harm for us than even an enemy, an external enemy. So this is saying the the internal enemy is far more dangerous than the external enemy. So while one path may focus a bit more on the external approach and the other one focuses on the internal approach, again, I don't see that as, as being uh, an area where they necessarily conflict because... They're just different approaches. It's like apples and pears or apples and oranges. They're just different, entirely different approaches to, you know, to the spiritual path. Um, I hope that, that we can find, that you can find in yourselves the ability to practice compassion and acceptance for who you are, for, uh, for who others are and for, for where you are and where others are on their individual paths, rather than thinking, hey, this path is working for me, you should also be on that path. Um, we should recognize that if, if the path is the goal, then there's really no wrong place to be on that path. There's no wrong path to be on either. Uh, wherever you go, there you are, right? You're on the path. And you can find that peace, joy, and contentment on your path. And I hope that we can learn to see the uniqueness of every every step we take along the way of whatever path it is that we're on, whatever unique path. Uh, oftentimes, someone will say to me, "Well, you know, isn't it fair to at least recognize that one path may be better than the other or more suitable to the other?" And I would say, "Yes." The answer to that is yes, but it's circumstantial, right? You know, think of a, a normal path, an, an an actual path in the forest. There may be a paved path and there may be a path that's rocky and goes uh, and it's pretty steep. Now, y- you could say, well, is one path easier to walk than the other? Um, maybe, yeah. Is one path easier to rollerblade than the other? Sure. Um, you know, I may be on the on the path that's rocky and steep and, and find that it's working better for me because it's going to get me f- get me to my desired destination faster. But I'm wearing hiking boots and I've got a pole and I've got a backpack and, you know, I'm ready for this off-road trail and you're standing there next to me in in flip-flops and you're saying, hey, is that the right path for me? It it may be a matter of saying, no, with how you are right now, this is not the right path for you. Stay on that path. Uh, Stay on the pavement. Um, You know, 
I think it becomes really healthy for us when we start to look at these traditions, these paths within the, these traditions, and recognize that, that I'm on the path that seems to be working for me. And now how do I know that? Um, I think it's pretty easy. It's if, if you are on a path that brings you joy and contentment and peace, then you're on, you're on a good path. There's no need to change it. Now, the moment you realize you're not experiencing these things, you're experiencing anguish or discomfort or it's just not working for you, um, then why not just pause and say, well, maybe this isn't the right path for me. Maybe I should be on, maybe I should try another path, see if this is easier or better for me. Uh, that's how I, that's kind of how I like to view that. Um, these traditions can support each other. They can influence each other. It's sad to me when I encounter people from either one of the traditions saying, you can't make these work together. You know, they're, they're fundamentally opposed. And, and I get where that's coming from because on some levels, um, it does seem like there are views that are incompatible with each other. But I don't think that's necessarily the case when you understand that you can't really compare them. You can't compare them side by side in, in that way. You know, you, it, in the same way that, again, using the fruit analogy, it's not really fair to compare an apple and an orange. It's just not because they're not the same thing. Um, and that's, uh, that's what we face with this, uh, in, in my opinion. Now I mentioned before, um, many of us live in communities where we don't necessarily share the same beliefs. I am in a mixed faith family, a mixed faith marriage. Um, I know what it's like firsthand to be, uh, walking a path while simultaneously making it work with someone else who's walking on another path. And I know that it can, it can work because it's, it, it's working for us. I see it working for a lot of people who, who are on different paths. An important part of it is recognizing that all that, the, the, um, I guess that, that all paths are valid. Now I get that I can be on a path. Someone else might be on another path and that path does not validate my path. I get that. But it shouldn't bother me to know that they don't think I'm on the right path. It's like, okay, well, then you don't think I'm on the right path. Why would that disrupt the peace and contentment and joy that I have on my own path? If, if, if I truly view my path as, as unique and everyone's path is unique, then it shouldn't bother me that someone else is going to look and say, hey, you're on the wrong path. Because, of course, they're going to think that. If they're on a path that indicates that there's only one path, then, of course, they're going to think that you're on the wrong path. But why should that be problematic? Why should it be problematic for you, whatever path you're on? Now, it may be problematic for them because by the very fact of thinking that they're on the right one and you're on the wrong one, they're, they're the ones experiencing suffering because they think, oh, no, this person I care for is on the wrong path. But that's, that's them. You, you, know, you are on your path and you can find that contentment and joy with knowing that this is the path that's working for you, even if others don't approve it or understand or validate it. Um, that's a whole different topic, I think, <laughs> that I don't really want to go into in this specific podcast episode. But it's something worth looking at if you're experiencing that, thinking, why do I, fe why do I feel that I can't be validated on my path until someone else validates me? That's something worth looking at, because what you'll find with introspection uh, again, this is looking at the question, right? 
It's not about the answer. It's looking at the question. Why do I need you to validate me for me to feel comfortable on my path? Look at that. Explore that in yourself. And you may find that that also becomes irrelevant. Um, so again, these traditions can support each other. I think it's perfectly acceptable to have someone who's on one path who uses elements of another path to increase um, their uh to benefit them on whatever path they're on. Um, you know, looking for the good that other paths have, using the ideas and concepts the, that others have as tools to help us alleviate the suffering in ourselves and others on our own path, I think is a noble thing. And that's something that we can do when when we start to view uh, our own path as our own path. You know, it's one thing to, to, to think I'm on the right path but it's another one to think that mine is the only right path. See, it can be right for me and wrong for you. That's very different than thinking if it's right for me, then it must be also right for you. I think that that can be very powerful um, to have that view of paths. So that's all I have for this topic. I know that there's so much that can be covered here. We could go into specific differences in um, like doctrinal views of reality and the world, but uh, I don't think that that's necessary. Uh, you can study all that on your own. Read books about, you know, whatever path that you're on. Study it. Learn it. Be familiar with it. Um, but I would invite you to explore it at a at a level where you ask yourself, is this path working for me? Because if it is, don't, don't disrupt it. Just stay on that path. Um, and, and that's all I have. So... If you enjoyed this podcast episode, please share it with others, write a review, give it a rating in iTunes. Um, and if you'd like to make a donation to support the work that I'm doing with this podcast, then please visit secularbuddhism.com. And that's all I have for now, but I do look forward to recording another podcast episode soon. So until next time.